0: Welcome to Cub Chat Live. This is a weekly show for Cub Scout families, new Cub Scout leaders, and anyone looking to make the youth-serving programs in the Boy Scouts of
1: America, well, uh, awesome. If you're listening to the audio version of today's show, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you're watching live with us today, please
0: comment along in the live chat and be sure to check out our audio version of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, we're a podcast too. Check it out. Okay, here we go. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. It's time for Cub Chat Live. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Aaron. I'm joined today by my good friend, John. John, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you. It's been a while since John has been on with us, but we welcome him back to the show. John is a longtime Cub Scout volunteer. We were just talking before the show. He's worn just about all the hats. He's still wearing some of them. Uh, We look forward to him sharing his expertise today. Our topic today, uh, we've talked about this kind of in the past. We're going to talk today about a pack community. And um, when we say that for today's show, at least we're talking about not just the community within the pack, but you know how your pack Fits in with the surrounding community uh, without the pack, or you know, outside of the pack. So happy, happy Friday to Rob who's watching. What's up, Rusty from Pack 84 in New Philadelphia, Ohio? Good to see our good friends today. Hey, Rusty has tagged a friend in the comments. I like that. Good job, Rusty. If Anybody else would like to tag a friend? Please do that. Uh, shout out to Francie Lou uh, from PAC 34 and 75 in Edgewood, Illinois. We're doing well today. And shout out to Wendy for watching. Sean's here. We got a lot of folks watching already. Uh, as we get throughout the show today, encourage you guys to share your thoughts on our topic, including uh, a couple of things how you serve your community, and in return, how. Members of the community maybe can help out your pack, and to kind of get the discussion started, John. When we talk about pack community, let's just talk about kind of broad terms. What are we talking about?
1: Yeah, so really, there's there's kind of two ways to think of it. So one is the internal community, like who you serve, the families you serve, and and to some degree the ser- the families that you should be serving that you're not. So um, whether that's kind of like your church community, whether that's your neighborhood community, your elementary school community, you know, the the types of people that you're serving directly. And and what feeling do you provide to them um, as, as members of the Cub Scout pack or potential members of the Cub Scout pack? And then on the flip side of that is is this sort of outward facing approach, which is how does your pack interact with the greater community? There's been a few times where I've you know I've been wearing my Cub Scout uniform and gone to the grocery store, and they're like, "Oh, Cub Scouts is still a thing," or "Scouts BSA is still a thing," and they're surprised by that. So that's something that we want to try and and, and help. Uh, rectify for people to help people understand, hey, we're out there, we're doing really cool stuff. So when we think about this broader community, it's about um, other scouting units. It's about interacting with other community organizations, just being present in the community and making sure that uh, your scouts are having fun in the community, as well as helping the community see that scouting is still a a lovely, vibrant program.
0: Yeah, uh, John and I, again, both uh, have experience as volunteers. Uh, I'm not just a professional. I do have experience. I was a, a cub master and a den later. And I found that I'm sure that a lot of you folks watching at home have found that, you know, when you serve your community in the way that's best for you, sometimes the community will serve you back. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. Again, would love to uh, hear some stories from you guys. Gosh, we got a lot of folks watching. Shout out to Brian and Robert, Justin, all about Scott's. All about scouts, all about Scouts is watching. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. TJ from PAC 650 in uh, Georgia, Brandon from Minnesota. Brandon, I hope you're staying warm up there in Minnesota. Uh, Robin from California, Todd from New York, Luke from New York. Oh man, we got tons of folks watching here. John, no pressure. Um, so, John just kind of gave you an overview of what he means when we talk about PAC community. Let's start the, the next part of this discussion with our in. Internal pack community. Uh, you know, John, tell us about that. Who are who are you serving, right? Um, yeah. Who are you not serving, right?
1: Right. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of a lot of PACs are, are doing really well, which is wonderful. Some of them are struggling. And one of the reasons that they struggle is because they're kind of recruiting the same people over and over again. And as your neighborhood may change, thinking about who are those families that should be, you know, in your pack that aren't. And whether that's a demographic change, whether that's just a, a shift in, in like the elementary school you served closed or any number of other factors, you want to think about who are you not serving? And a lot of people, they immediately think that it's a diversity thing. And that's not really true. Diversity is a fact. Like we, we live in very diverse communities in many dimensions, but it's about inclusion. Inclusion is the act that goes along with that fact of diversity. And so you want to think about how your pack can be a very welcoming community to the families that you're looking to serve. And that can be a, a wide variety of things. That can be helping people understand what Cub Scouts is about and have the, what are the benefits of Cub Scouts. That can be making it not feel like there's, there's too high of a bar, like you already have to know about scouting to be a part of scouting. There's a lot of things like that that you can take into account. Overall, you want people to feel included. You want them to feel welcome. They want them to feel like this is something that would be a positive thing for their family. And remember that We want to go back to those baselines. What is Cub Scouting about? Why do families put their their children in Cub Scouting? They want fun. They want adventure. They're looking for friendship. They're trying to take a big community and make it a little bit smaller. And then they're obviously looking for things like character building. and, And sometimes for some communities, even resume building starting as early as kindergarten. And you know what? That's great, right? Whatever helps them engage with the program initially, we should be embracing that and then building from there.
0: Uh, By the way, I just want to point out that Brian says he loves the Bowser in your background. John, we've got some very eagle-eyed people uh, viewing and a lot of comments. Brian's watching on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube now, everybody. We're on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and we're also a podcast nowadays. In case you guys missed the introduction, you can always listen to us uh, in a podcast. Yeah, John, uh, so uh, again, we're we're talking right now about uh, the internal PAC community. And we know, uh, John, that one of the reasons why folks drop out of Cub Scout, sadly, is maybe because they don't feel included, right? It could be something as simple as they sign up to join. Nobody calls them, nobody emails them. Uh, Let's talk about that. And specifically, you know, what are some things that folks can do, uh, Cub Scout parents and leaders to make sure that everybody feels like they are a part, a valuable part, I should say, right, of that PAC community?
1: Absolutely. So the easiest one is—is is many of you know, but some of you may not know. There's actually a role called the welcoming coordinator, and that's a really, really important role for PACs and and all scouting units, really. And it just helps have a single person that is responsible for. Hey, you're a new parent. Here's someone who can answer those questions. Here's someone who's going to make sure you get the schedule, get you know any information about what you need to buy in terms of like uniforms or books or whatever. It can be very confusing. And you know, I'll, I'll speak from my own experience. Uh, my son has been in scouts for a long time and he's joined a sea scouting unit. That's still very confusing for me, even as an experienced scouter. So I'm looking to that welcoming coordinator, even at that level. So imagine that for brand new parents at the pack level, it's even more important because they likely have no experience with scouting. Um, so it's super important to have a welcoming coordinator and you want to understand that your families overall live very complex lives. And so by taking that into account, understanding that scouting is one part of everything that they do that can help you build a better program that will serve them better. And so you need to understand that it's not a zero-sum game. There are going to be scouts that want to do sports. They're going to want to do dance. They're going to want to do other activities. Maybe you have a a faith community that you need to uh, integrate in with their schedule. These are all things that you need to to take into account. And, And rather than making them feel like, because they're a part of those communities, they can't do scouts. We should make them feel like they can and just be thoughtful about the planning process. And, and that can be as simple as having a calendar early that's clear, but also is clear about like what's what's considered very optional, what's considered just for fun, what are the things that are you know more important to get done, but also having alternatives for how people can get those things done. Um, and then in particular with communities that have distinct subcultures, uh, in, in my neighborhood, for example, we have a very large uh, you know, East Indian community. We have a very large uh, community f- with people from, from China. And so those communities, they, a lot of them know each other. And so our PAC found ambassadors within those communities to help kind of j- bridge that gap and, and help people understand. Sometimes it's just as simple as having someone you're familiar with that understands this program to demystify it. And then sometimes... It can be helpful to have people that can, you know, translate it into their own native language, which that's where the interpreter strip can be a super powerful tool to help people understand like, oh, I'm, I'm more comfortable speaking in Mandarin. Great. We actually have somebody in our pack that speaks that. They're identified by the patch on their shirt, so you can easily find them out. And then the other really big thing is, is embracing the unique aspects of your pack community. What are the parents of your pack into? If you have a pack because your neighborhood lives in a high tech area. Like lean into that, your Pinewood Derby, make it more STEM oriented, like uh, maybe reconsider what your rules are for the Pinewood Derby to encourage people to embrace things like 3D printing or other more modern, uh, you know, building techniques. If you're a community that is, is uh, more rural, then maybe there's, there's different aspects of the program that you can double down on, but finding ways to embrace the the time and talent and treasures that your, your families that are part of your unique pack uh, provide will enhance that community and make it feel, uh, like it's more meaningful. And, and it's a program that they're a part of. And when you have a great program that they're a part of then they'll invest more in it. You'll have an easier time getting volunteers.
0: Um, yeah. And, a. uh, uh... Uh, John, uh, I'm going to throw you a curveball here real quick because we're going to move on in just a second to talk about the external pack community, but when you said new member coordinator, uh, we got a lot of good responses. Luke said that they made a welcome packet that's been very helpful for their mm-hmm. pack. very cool. Uh, Rob says he loves the new member coordinator position. That was his position uh, in his son's last year in his PAC. Uh, we actually have, believe it or not, watching right now someone who is a new member coordinator. That's Alex from PAC 510 in Gladstone, Oregon. We completely changed our unit's culture and feeling a packed community in the last few years. Being a place where people connect and feel like they belong is so important. I agree, especially all those O's that's important, Alex. Thank you very much for saying that. I do want to talk about that maybe if we could, John, a little bit Absolutely. more um, because again, as we said, um, it's sort of easy for new members to kind of get lost in the shuffle. Again, John, you and I have been there as, right. a, as a den leader and as a Cubmaster, we've got we're juggling a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of things going on. And when somebody signs up to join Cub Scouts, It's easy to just say to them, okay, here's where you fill out the application. Here's where you give the money to. Uh, Here's where you buy the uniform and the handbook, and we'll see you later. And and we don't realize some of these folks don't know. They're just not that familiar with the program, right? They're vaguely familiar with the idea of the Boy Scouts of America. They don't know what a Cub Scout is. They don't know what an Eagle Scout is. They don't know things like Philmont Scout Ranch. They don't know about any of these things, right? They just want to do something fun with their kids. So. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that new member coordinator position. That's a great position to have, again, because a cub master and a den leader maybe can't do it all. Who right. would you say is an ideal person to fill that position, John? Who would you ask to do that, like, in your pack?
1: So honestly, th- th- this may be sort of heretical, but I actually pick, like, a second-year parent, right? I like to pick people I think that's a great that, idea. that are that are prospective, like, longer-term volunteers. Like, they might be a future cub master or a future, you know, something like that. But, but if I can get maybe that tiger parent, right, someone who just went through it, they're an ideal candidate because they know all the questions because they literally just ask those questions and the answers are largely in, in their their mind. And it's a great sort of like on-ramp position that doesn't require a lot of other commitment, right? You're not asking them to plan den meetings or anything else. So that can be a really powerful thing for new families coming in. Um, the other one you can do is, is find families that, Maybe it's an outgoing cubmaster, right? So someone who knows the program well, but they're looking to scale back their involvement. Uh, so outgoing cubmasters, outgoing den leaders, that sort of thing. That can be a really useful one. Um, looking for people uh, again. If you've got unique subcultures, there's nothing that says you can't have more than one welcome coordinator. And so, like in my neighborhood, we might even consider having three uh, different, you know, coordinators—one for sort of the, each of the kind of unique subcultures that we have. And, and you might have, uh, you know, one one based on different elementary schools. There's another local pack that serves five elementary schools. Our pack kind of serves one. So for the, the pack that serves five elementary schools, they might have one coordinator per school, right? So there's nothing that tells you you have to have, you know, one or more than one. You do what adjusts to your family. The number one thing is that you want people to be friendly and that you want someone who's going to answer email. Really, that's the number one thing. And then... You know, outside of that, think about what are the questions that you need to get answered and help them understand that. So for me, I love the new program that's rolling out for Cub Scouts starting June first. And one of the reasons is is because it makes it simpler to explain to new families the new program, right? So I was actually discussing this last night at our roundtable when we were talking about the new program, and it's very simple: one rank, one age, right? You're a kindergartner, you're a lion, that's it, right? You're a first grader you're a tiger, that's it, right? It makes it very simple. Your fifth grade, AOL, that's it. So that makes it very simple for new families to understand. And then the whole new 6 plus 2 model in terms of, you know, six adventures that focus on those core values that we have and then two electives, but a lot of those electives can go across all the ages so you get deepening of the the idea. Those things resonate well with families and they're pretty simple to understand. So, helping that new member coordinator find someone that that won't overcomplicate things and just like, look, it's simple. Like Cub Scouts is meant to be simple, easy, and fun. Let's make sure we, we find those people that can help convey that message.
0: Yep, yep. I love the idea of having a new member coordinator who is just joined in the last year because it, it might be a little um, uh, counterintuitive to think of someone like that. But that's who that's who these new families were a year ago. They were there right. just twelve months earlier, so they right. can answer a lot of those questions. They had those same questions that these new families have, as opposed to somebody like me who, uh, you know, might speak in a language that they don't necessarily understand. Even like, what's a den? What's a pack, right? These are things that a lot of new families... I had friends who were... Who joined our pack and were in it for months and months before they finally got that straight, the difference between a DIN meeting and a pack meeting, right? So things right. like that that we don't think about. Uh, I want to bring up a good point by Justin who's watching on YouTube about checking the online invitation manager. A lot of folks can join PACs yep. online these days, but you do have to check that manager. You can lose people that way, right? There's a lot of right. ways people can fall through the cracks. Thanks for pointing that out, Justin. Uh, Cub Scout Pack 554 from League City, Texas, says they put everything online, send folks to their website. That's really cool. If you have someone in your pack who is technically inclined, uh, you know, we could we could do a whole nother show, John, about putting folks to work, right? Uh, the person who is technically inclined, who maybe doesn't have an interest in meeting and greeting people, have them build your website. Uh, the other person who's more comfortable interfacing in person with with live humans, maybe that's your new member coordinator, right? Someone, like you right. say, who's good about returning emails or, or receiving right. test Does they don't mind getting uh, bombarded with questions. They're happy to answer them. So uh, very, very cool. Um, uh, you can guys- split
1: that role up, actually, right, between multiple yep. people if you've got somebody more tech-inclined versus more outgoing. And then the other thing, too, to consider is. Uh, the younger families are going to be more connected to the younger side of your community. So if you've got a fifth grade family that doesn't have any young children, their their community is, is going to be half middle school, half elementary school, whereas like that they, they might have a hard time recruiting lions and tigers, right? Whereas having a new member coordinator that's more connected to that bottom end of the age range may be more effective for your recruiting efforts as well. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you think about what your roles are in your pack.
0: Very, very, very cool. A lot of folks watching. Shout out to Sarah from Enterprise, Alabama. Uh, uh, Ranger is watching from Ghana. Thank you for tuning in, Ranger. Dee Dee is coming from Redmond, Washington. A lot of folks watching. Guys, we're talking today about uh, PAC community. If you're just joining us, don't worry. You can always go back and watch the show from the beginning once we're done here today. This show and all of our shows uh, will just live forever. Uh, wherever you're watching them right now. Uh, so John, we've talked quite a bit about your internal PAC community. Let's talk about how the PAC can uh, interact with the uh, a- external community. Right, uh, right. You know, like you said before, sometimes people are surprised to see Cub Scouts uh, in the in their native uh, habitat, right? <laughs> right? At a state, at a state park, uh, picking up trash on the side of the road, like our Cub Scouts used to do. Uh, right. Talk about that a little bit, John.
1: Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, um there's a couple of layers to this. So one layer is, is uh, there's a lot of scouting outside of cub scouting. And it's, it's sometimes surprising that people forget that there's things beyond fifth grade. So those are all resources. Cause remember, where do all the parents go that were really dedicated scouter, like adult volunteers, they all went to troops and crews and, and uh, sea scout ships and that sort of thing. So they're great resources. So thinking about Uh, What are the other scouting units in your area and what can they provide you? Uh, And it's not just a place for your kids to go in fifth grade. Uh, So in our area, we've got Sea Scout ships, for example. Sometimes those Sea Scout ships will run cruises where you can you can pay to kind of rent the boat. The older kids will actually pilot the boat and take the Cub Scouts on on a cruise around, uh, you know, the water or maybe deliver you to a, a different beach for a picnic. Those sorts of things. That can be super powerful because now they're seeing what the older scouts do. It gives them that long-term vision of, of how scouting can improve things. Uh, we've also got venturing crews that are into various things. One of our local crews, uh, D20, they actually are a gaming crew. They enjoy like tabletop gaming. And so they'll do community game nights. So that again, that's free program, right? Both of these are cases where they have a vested interest in making sure that your kids have fun, if nothing else, because they want their unit to continue having fun long into the future. Uh, So those are all great resources. Uh, We've we've talked on previous episodes about the free program you can get from the troops because remember the older kids, uh, they all have like merit badges that require them to do things. So for example, the orienteering merit badge requires, one of the requirements is setting up an orienteering course for younger scouts. The disability awareness merit badge, that one has a requirement that says, go, go teach some stuff about disability awareness to Cub Scouts. So there's built in opportunities within the program outside of that, there's all the people that aren't already in scouts. So what are the communities that your families are involved in? So again, in my neighborhood, we've got a a very large Indian population. Uh, So those East Indian families, they might be celebrating Diwali or, or other other holidays like that. There's festivals in our area. We should be having our units represented at those festivals because that's where the people are that have those age kids, uh, what are local businesses? The the Cubmaster that replaced me, he hooked up with uh, a local uh, motorsports facility, and he actually had the pack meeting before the Pinewood Derby at this local speed shop, and they got to see like all the fancy cars and, and what they're doing to the engines to make them so the race ready and all this sort of stuff. So that was a, a super cool example. We've got a local university that's into video games, like they, they they train people how to make video games. So you know, can you do a tour with them? So anything you can do to get out in the community in order to, to interact in the community, especially in your uniform, right, to reinforce the fact that we're Cub Scouts, we go out, we do stuff. And then the other thing is, is charities, right? So are there are there local causes, because Cub Scouts' service to our communities is a big part, what are those causes that are important, and what are ways that we can incorporate Cub Scouts? It's easy sometimes to forget that kids are way more capable than, than we give them credit for. So – obviously stay within the bounds of sca- the guide to safe scouting and those sorts of things. But overall there's, the kids are really capable and they really love helping out other people. That's part of the reason why they're here. And so finding ways that you can you know volunteer for a local uh, homeless shelter or scouting for food is coming up in March for many uh, packs. So what is the way that your scouts are going to be involved in that scouting for food is an awesome way to get out in your community, whether it's in front of a grocery store, setting up a stand on the road near your school or at your local, you know, faith community, wherever it happens to be, just get your, your scouts out in uniform in front of people interacting.
0: Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of great stuff there, John. Love all that content. Um, obviously, scouts, you know, it's all about service. It's all about helping people, and that's a great way to be part of your community. We could do a whole show about the advantages of recruiting new scouts just by simply wearing a T-shirt out okay. in your community, right? Now, my my son's Cub Scout Pat used to pick up trash. Uh, it was called Adopt-A-Highway, but it wasn't really a highway. It was a small road, right? And in doing right. that, we met folks with our waste management system here in town. And because they liked us picking up trash, they would send folks to our Cub Scout meetings and talk about recycling. And, and that was a meeting I could almost just take off as a cub master because they wanted to come in. They see your scouts. You know, that's that's future right. customers, future citizens, right? Um obviously scouting for food uh, a wonderful service project that's been going on for many many years even yeah. uh, you know local hardware stores would be willing to send out folks there, these are future customers they get to talk to we had a good yeah. relationship john in my pack with our local model rocket re, rock, rocketry society oh yeah uh,
1: absolutely
0: you know their job is to spread awareness of model rockets and here i am offering them a room full of second third fourth and fifth graders of course, they're like, where do I sign up? And they came and they showed off all these really cool rockets and let the kids play with them. I mean, it really is a great two-way street there that you can take advantage of. It's a win-win-win for everybody. Um, and then again, John, you mentioned the idea of like a community festival, right? Um, a lot of a lot of communities have will have a cleanup week or a go green week, right, where your cup Scout pack maybe isn't the only people out picking up trash. You go out there, you pick up trash. Other people see you in your cup Scout uniforms or shirts or whatever it is. You're, you're part of the community, you're advertising, you're packed, the kids are having fun. It's a win-win-win. Uh, again, a lot of good folks uh, in in the comments. We appreciate all of your comments. Um, John, you mentioned this earlier, but before we let you go, let's talk real quick again about the new Cub Scout program. Uh, for those of you who don't know, maybe you haven't heard, maybe no. Um, right. The Cub Scout program is getting some updates. Those will go into effect on June 1st. We have done A handful, I would say, of shows on those. Again, you can always go through the Cub Chat Live archives to learn more about that. But uh, the idea of the new program, uh, what is it, John? uh, Simple, fun, uh, easy. Yes, right. Simple, fun, and easy. Uh, If only it was easy for me to remember that. But yeah, simple, (laughs) fun, and easy. But uh, maybe you could talk about that real quick, John, in terms of a packed community. Uh, Is it going to be easier, simple, and fun with the new program?
1: The the best thing about the the new program other than the, you know, one rank, you know, uh, per, per year makes it super simple for people to understand is that a lot of the redesign went through to align uh, core values across uh, all the, all the ages. So if you look at the six requirements and I've I've even got them, you know, pulled up here uh, the, the common themes that you have as for the requirements are going to be character and leadership. You've got outdoors, you've got personal fitness, you've got citizenship, you've got personal safety, and you've got family and reverence, right? And so those themes are, are ones that are our core values. They're part of the Scout Oath and the Scout Law. So they're the ones that are worth repeating. So those ones are really easy to build into these internal and external facing uh, sorts of adventures. So citizenship is inherently about your community. So find, you know, finding ways to bring politicians in. What we found is we actually found our local politicians at our like, city and county council level, they love interacting with youth. And so- uh, they were actually very surprised about how much fun they had interacting with our scouts. And it actually spawn, you know, spawned a whole new series of uh, younger interactions than they were doing previously. So they really enjoyed that uh, personal safety. That one's an easy one, right? Cause you can always, everybody loves like, you know, bringing the police or the fire department, the canine the unit, maybe the FBI uh, search and rescue. Um, you know, there's lots of types of people who help in your area So that can be a really easy one to bring in external folks uh, and satisfy requirements for everybody. Personal fitness. uh, There's a lot of uh, personal fitness oriented things that uh, they want youth. And so you can think about like, how, how can you incorporate that into your pack? Do you end up going to, you know, one of those champ places, or maybe partnering with one of the the ninja parkour sorts of places? Uh, Do you bring in a, a fitness coach do you bring in a local athletic team? Uh, like maybe lacrosse is blowing up in your area. And so you want to you know, learn about like, oh, hey, here's a new sport that your kids might not know about. Like these are these are all great opportunities to bring in external folks. And then when you think about the uh, the program themes that are elective, there's a, there's a biking uh, elective that goes across all levels. So now running a bicycle rodeo, either as an internal event where you bring in uh, folks like Police officers are often willing to come in for your bike rodeo, maybe a local bike shop, but also you can do it as a community service project as outreach for your community where maybe at the beginning of the school year, you're running a bike rodeo. So you get everybody's bikes tuned up uh, before school starts so that the kids that are riding their bikes to school will be ready. Or maybe you do it in the spring so that before everybody starts riding again, they're, they're all tuned up and ready to go. So there's a lot of these really good opportunities. Fishing is another good one. Uh, in, at least in our area, we have the sportsman shows that kind of come through and they have the, the tank in inside that's pre-stocked with fish. So you're pretty much guaranteed to catch a fish. That could be a really great way to go learn about fishing, get your scouts out in the community in uniform. Uh, they're outdoorsy people at those sorts of events anyway. So the cross sectionality, the intersectionality of the types of people that are there are a good fit for the program overall. Uh, summertime fun again is another one like just Taking your kids out uh, in the summer and going to a movie as a pack and then you know, having them in uniform, it's a simple, easy way. Give, give the parents a night off, maybe figure out uh, you know, the rest of the parents get to go have, have a nice dinner, but you have the den leaders going and taking your, your den to a movie. You're all in uniform, so everybody wins.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Uh, John, before we let you go, uh, this has been a great discussion, by the way, but before we let you go, we got a a couple of comments from from people watching that I want to address real quick. Uh, We talked earlier about involving other scout programs in your Mm -hmm. area. You know, a lot of families don't even know what a venturing crew is or what a sea scout <laughs> is. So by, you know, by involving them, not only are you providing good uh, program for the Cub Scouts, you're also you know, maybe recruiting a future sea scout or a future venturer. Uh, right. Jan has a good question, though, about going on a sea scout boat when it comes to water safety and aquatic safety. John and I, Jan, are not the experts on the safety right. rules, but uh, I will say that you know the Cub Scout safety rules still apply. If you're right. doing something with a venturing crew or a sea scout ship, uh, while you might be able to go on a boat ride, you're not going to go on an extended cruise just because Venturers do it or Sea Scouts do it, right? So, Jan, the question that you asked about leaders that need to be trained, that's a great question for your local council. Um, they can tell you, if you tell them what you're thinking about doing before you do it and who's going to be there, they can fill you in and make sure that you are, everybody's satisfied. Uh, I know when you do any sort of event with two different scout units that are not in the same charting organization. It's a good idea to just talk to the council, make sure all your bases are covered. I'm sure you can do it in some form, but they may have some suggestions on who needs to be there, what you need to be trained in, things like that. Um, Another, uh, you know, semi-related question uh, that I, John, I would just love to get your opinion on this because we're talking about the building a PAC community, recruiting new members, Uh, DCMHK1, Great name. Who's watching on YouTube says they feel like they're competing with youth sports leagues. Any thoughts, John, on how scouting—you know—youth sports are a part of your community, right? In a lot of places, football is a big deal where I live down here in Texas. uh, I'm sure lots of different sports are a big deal where you live, John. uh, Thoughts on how we—you know—competing maybe is not the right word, right? But how do we work with kids who play sports?
1: I I I think the bottom line is don't look at it as a zero sum game, right? Like the scouts want to do lots of things and we should be embracing the fact that they want to be out and active and doing things that are important to them. This is a whole topic that we we could spend easily a whole episode on. Yes, for sure. the the big thing is, is get, get your calendar out early, right? So that it's clear. Here's, here's what we're doing. Here's when we're doing it so that they can kind of pre-negotiate with, with their coaches or other sorts of folks to understand, Hey, it's only one, one night a week, or maybe even one night a month that you're missing practice. Right? So it's not as, uh, it's not taking up as much time as that sport. So you get a ton of value for a way lower commitment often. Um, so that can be a really big help. Uh, the other one is is helping people understand if they miss a certain event, here's how they can make it up either at home or uh, other, other sort of strategies within your pack. I've also run into packs that do like a, sp- a, you know, sort of a spring group and a fall group. So the kids that are in football in, in the fall, they they do, you know, a very sort of heavily loaded spring program where they sort of compress the whole scouting year into half the year. And then there's another group of kids that were all playing baseball. And so they, they front loaded their scouting year. So they did most of their stuff in the fall. So I think ultimately the great thing about the Cub Scout program being kind of a franchisee model is that you can adapt your program to what suits your community. And, you know, as long as you're following the guide to safe scouting and, and the other sort of things, you can be very, very creative in how you deliver the program to meet the needs. The other really big thing is is oftentimes there's things that they're doing in those other venues, either at school or in those other sports that will qualify towards rank advancement sorts of things. So you can get dual value.
0: Yeah. One of the great things about the Cub Scout program, and this is going to be even more true on June 1st is the flexibility because, you know, some packs will serve a church, right? And they're all, every single member of the pack is a member also of that church. Uh, the pack that I was in served multiple, had kids from multiple churches. We were based out of an elementary school, right? So every PAC community is going to be different. And the important thing, John, as you said, uh, you know, make sure you're serving your families as best as you can. A lot of good thoughts in the comments. Uh, really appreciate everybody. Christine says that they do a scouting for food with a venture crew. So that's a way to sort of partner with another unit there. They're yep. older, I'm thinking she means older scouts, BSA members, staff, Cubscamp, uh Cubs yep. Camp, Cub Camp, uh, yep. which is a, a great way to keep uh them involved well. A lot of those older scouts, they used to be Cub Scouts, so they they know what it's like. Um I wanted to close our show with one more comment, if I could find it from uh, actually a couple of more, you know, Siv Natalie always has an interesting perspective there I live in Norway and they participate in a flag ceremony that goes through the middle of the town. That's really cool. We could do a whole show about parades and flag ceremonies and right. things like that. As a matter of fact, we maybe have done that. Um, but I want to close our show with a comment from Brian who says, again, Brian watching on YouTube says offer a break, a great program and welcome people when they attend that kind of does Sum it up, you know, make sure your program follow, the, follow this, like John said, the guide to safe scouting and your, your handbooks and everything like that. Make sure people feel welcome. The rest of it will kind of take care of itself. Uh, John, any final thoughts before I let you go today?
1: I, you know, honestly, I'll double down on that, that comment there. Great exactly. program will we'll create a great pack community, right? People want to be involved when it's a great program and, and, you know, the units that are struggling often their, their program has been struggling. So if you're, if you're a struggling pack out there, I can tell you I've been there and the way that we fixed it is we doubled down on program because fun program, kids, happy, happy families. It it will just feed on itself in in the most positive way.
0: Yeah. uh, You know, families telling other families how much fun they have in Cub Scouts is really the best recruiting tool, word of mouth. Absolutely. And we grow RPAC the same way when parents tell their friends, hey, my my kid joined Cub Scouts and they love it. That's the biggest endorsement you can get. Uh, great comments from our viewers as usual today. John, great job as usual from you as well. Thank you yeah, for joining for us. Me. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Again, happy Friday to everybody watching. We'll be back next week. Thank you all. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Enjoy the Super Bowl, John. Any predictions on the Super Bowl before we let you go? Oh,
1: I, I got no no dog in this fight. I'm a Seahawks fan. So, <laughs>
0: Speaking of dogs, we did a show last Tuesday where our, our friend Gina's dog picked the winner. Am I going to tell you who it was? No, you have to go back and watch Trek on Tuesday from this last week. Gina's dog picked the winner. If you want to know who's going to win, that's probably the show you need to go watch. Uh, Brian, thank you for watching, man. Appreciate that comment there. Everybody have a good weekend. Enjoy. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks, folks.